Becker's Hospital Review is committed to delivering our audience safe access to vital educational opportunities. With this in mind, our 11th annual meeting will be in virtual format for the first time. Whether in the home or workplace, attendees will have access to sessions where industry leaders will be discussing the most pressing issues in healthcare, including the rise of virtual care, addressing clinician burnout, and delivering on-price transparency. To learn more, click on the conference tab at beckershospitalreview.com. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Tanya Darner. Tanya's got this magnificent career. She served in the Air Force for a long time. She now serves as the Chief Operating Officer of a great Aspirus Hospital. Uh, thrilled to visit with her today. Tanya, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yep. Good morning. Thanks, Scott. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Tanya Darner. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Aspirus Wausau Hospital located in central Wisconsin. I've been here um, just over three years. In central Wisconsin, it's actually a beautiful part of the country. I don't know if everybody appreciates it. But one of the things that's fascinating about you and different than most leaders is that you spent 20 plus years in the Air Force prior to getting into healthcare or prior to taking on this position. Talk to us about your career in the Air Force and how that came to be. Okay, great. Um, uh, I could probably spend days talking about my career in the Air Force. Um, the funny thing is it was a very spontaneous decision that I came about after spending um, a couple of years in college and realizing that maybe I just wasn't quite ready for that. So I thought, well, maybe I'll join the military. Um, so I went and talked with an Air Force recruiter and um, two weeks later I was gone. So I left my small rural town that I was born and raised in in Ohio and uh, journeyed down to San Antonio, Texas, where I started my 20-plus um, uh, Air Force career. Um, the interesting thing is um, I wasn't quite sure what my job was going to be when I uh, stepped on the bus, and I chose my job uh, during basic training, and I was selected to be um, a medic. So I started my career as a hands-on medic doing patient care, did patient care for my first um, 10 years in the Air Force, uh, rotated through labor and delivery, pediatrics. Um, I was certified for allergy immunizations, OBGYN clinic, and uh, finished as a shift leader in the emergency room before I decided to um, take a little bit different turn and go into Air Force recruiting service to reach out to, to kids and um, offer them the same opportunity that I had. What did your parents say when you joined the Air Force? Were they were they encouraging? Were they like what? What did they What did they say? They were surprised because um, you know, as I had mentioned, I, I did go to to college for a couple of years. Um, and but I just realized that it wasn't quite working out for me at that time, and I wanted to do something with my life. And I felt like if I didn't leave the small town that I was in, I probably never would. Um, I was the first person uh, in my immediate family to join the military, and the only thing I knew about it at the time was that my best friend's brother was in the Air Force. Um, so they were very—they've always been super supportive of my career. Um, I couldn't ask for um, more supportive parents. So when I left, they became you know huge Air Force fans, and I. I think my dad cried more at my retirement ceremony than I did. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There's a yeah. fascinating thing about college today. College has become the track of sort of the regular track for so many people in our country, mm -hmm. and yet so many people aren't really ready for college at 19. What are you, what are you right. any thoughts on that? I mean, any thoughts on that? Because it's, it's so common that 
just so many kids aren't really ready for it. They're not really, they're not, they really want to do the studying in the school. They want to go have fun, but they're not really ready for it. Any thoughts on that? Right. How do we, how has this become the deepest situation? Well, I think it's, you know, a societal norm, and I don't think there's enough conversation around other opportunities that exist to allow someone to mature, mature and then actually uh, identify and develop uh, what their skill set is. Um, and that was one of the things that, that I was able to kind of learn and hone um, as an, an Air Force recruiter. Because, you know, the first thing I'll tell you is not everyone's cut out for military service either. I think that's an important um, point to make. Um, but for those that, that do look at it, I think it's important to realize that no one has to spend 20, 20 years in the military. Um, when I joined, I was planning on doing four years, figuring some things out, and then moving on. And then I, I just I loved it, so that's why I stayed. Um, but I, I think it's the the one thing that the military offers is it offers an opportunity to to learn a skill, as well as grow up a little bit and learn responsibility. Um, you know, I was I was shocked. Um, one of my uh, roles in the Air Force as well, I was the career advisor for the Fourth Fighter Wing at Seymour Johnson, and so every brand new airman that came through basic training and tech school um, went through a course that I developed, um, and I expanded wow. it to be a 10-day course um, to teach them life skills. Fantastic. And, and, and talk about now the transition to healthcare leadership. I mean, you were doing healthcare in the, in the military and the Air Force for a very mm -hmm. long time. And so it obviously wasn't this crazy big jump, but talk about the jump to healthcare leadership in the, in, in the not-for-profit world and so forth. In terms of the transition from military to civilian side? Yes, and then coming into healthcare leadership. Okay, great. So I, I think, you know, I will speak uh, partly my interview because I, I worked at a couple of other um, places before I landed my role here at Aspirus. And one of the things that uh, I found uh, very shocking was how people really didn't know how to understand. Uh, the benefit of my military background until I interviewed with Aspirus. Aspirus, my interview with them was very heavy. And tell me a little bit about your Air Force leadership. Tell me about the training, how this, you know, equates over. And and so my transition here to Aspirus was actually a lot more um, comforting and welcoming because they they kind of got what I brought to the table. Um, my 20 years in the Air Force, I spent um, upwards of more than 20 weeks in in-residence leadership schools in various uh, levels throughout my career, whether it be as a first new supervisor, um, a mid-level supervisor, and then as a, a senior level supervisor, you go to in-residence training to learn different aspects um, of skills required at each of those different tiers. Um, and then, you know, as you progress through the Air Force, you move into positions of leadership, um, and there's expectations that come along with that, um, and you're supported throughout that with um, mentors and training. So carrying that over onto the civilian side, um, it's made me who I am today as, as a leader. Um, I, I truly believe in servant leadership. I think it's important that you um, are there for your teams and your staff, and understanding that my role is to create expectations, but then support the outcomes. Um, and then I think that's sometimes lost. And, and, and take a moment and talk about, and sort of run as a good segue from that answer, what are two or three pieces of advice that you would give to emerging leaders? 
Um, self-awareness. I, I think self-awareness is probably one of the, the best traits that a, that a leader can have um, is to be able to, you know, sit down with one of your uh, direct reports and ask them, you know, how good of a job am I doing? Do you feel that you, you are supported when I'm giving you these expectations? Um, and then never stop uh, learning. I, I think it's important to um, continue to expand uh, your your education, your knowledge base, um, reach out to um, other facilities and, and ask them how they're doing things if it's something that you're struggling with. Don't think that you're the benchmark for everything. Um, one philosophy I have too is, is don't reinvent the wheel. Um, we're all very busy, so um, reach out and, and see you know where you can kind of capture someone else's hard work and experience and intelligence, and then just kind of make it your own and enhance it as needed within your organization. I, would you, I think that is um, actually brilliant advice. Would you sort of say that again about trying to find somebody else's strengths and amplifying those strengths within your own organization rather than using yourself as the benchmark for how things should be done? Could you just give us a little bit more on that thought? Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, anytime you move into a new role, I think the self-awareness allows you to define your learning curve and any gaps that you may have. Um, so, you know, for instance, when I came here, one of the things that was a new experience for me was um, taking over uh, leading the surgical services department. Um, so there was a there was a learning curve for me there. So, you know, I reached out to, to people that I knew that had experience in those areas and said, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you improve turnover times or talk to me a little bit about how you do your block scheduling and, and does that work for you? And, you know, this is how we do things here. And this is kind of where, you know, I think we have an opportunity, but I want to make sure that is this the norm? Is it not the norm? Because I don't want to focus on things that are just going to waste my time and frustrate my teams. Um, so, so I think it's important to be able to have that that good network of people that you know you can reach out to, and it's not competitive based. It's we're all in this together to provide great care to our communities, um, and, and it's good to rely on each other. Fantastic, Tanya. I want to thank you for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a remarkable career. It's a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time as well, Scott.